Today, we're going to talk about family finances and more. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Josh. And as always, thank you for joining in today's live show. And just to share things as why I've actually created this entire episode. It's because I'm actually going to be a speaker on Sydney's Personal Finance Summit. So actually over here, I'm tasked with answering this question, managing your finances as a household. I was thinking, you know, how else to prepare for it than to really pick up real actual questions from you listening in. And as always, leave them in the comment sections. So I'll be keen to pick them, pick them up for you. And to start things with, I've actually prepared this, which is actually not a couple's uh, finance question yet, just to get things rolling. Because everybody listening in, you know, you belong to a different age group. Some of you are going to graduate or have just started work, where some of you have already started building uh, families. Where some of you are already, you know, uh, in a later stage in life, closer to retirement and stuff. So hopefully I will be able to cover a wide spectrum. And as always, if you have some wisdom to share with younger audiences, also feel free to leave them in the comment sections. I'll pull up for each and everyone to see. Let's kick things started with this. This is actually a question for someone who is going to graduate only with $50,000. Thinking of whether to buy in investments or insurance which is also a very similar question to one I saw before, someone who is age of 20 with 60,000, who has built it through part-time income, what to do. You know, at this uh, phase in life, things are very simple, correct? You live for yourself. A lot of ways, your parents are still around to provide financially. And I actually like the second part a lot more. Uh, build up that money through part-time work. That's why I put this in for everybody to see. If you are young working adult, go and see more things in see more industries go and work part-time you you broaden your perspective a lot more and you always have that confidence to stand on your two feet once you've done part-time work rather than rely on your parents uh, for income and savings the first question seems to be someone who has actually been given that fifty thousand, maybe you unbounced right collected over the years so uh, that part uh to answer that i think the simplest answer is you need yes emergency cash that's a standard thing but i would like to twist it a little bit I think at that age, there is no worry if you invest wrongly or there's no even uh, any urgency to buy insurance because insurance is there to protect your potential income. You haven't really actualized income yet. I would much rather someone who is just going to graduate or, or is just fresh at work to really think about investing to learning. Go for courses, spend them correctly, upgrade yourself, go for skills that could help you in your career and stuff. I think these are better investments. And as always, dabble your, your feet into the financial markets. That gives you a real head start rather than you follow a template of, oh, you should buy this, this, this bond, or this, 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 uh, Singapore savings bond and stuff. No need. Uh, learn on investments. Start with a portion of what you have. And even if you make mistakes, things are not going to be too crucial also. So that's what I really like for someone younger. For myself, when I was, you know, uh, in my 20s, early 20s, I actually did a lot of trading and stuff. I realized that ha had actually uh, no real impact to my financial freedom journey because you have gains and you have losses. The real thing that I've been doing for the last 10 years is dividend investing, growing and compounding things. But it always takes making mistakes. I've also shared on the channel that I've actually started an F&B business before and that was some money loss. But as always, when you fail early, you have a lot of time to recover. So there's no best answer what you, you should invest. There's no real problem to start things with, you know, uh, at that age, no, no, no consequence. But when you move to late twenties or even early thirties, that's when you start to build families, correct? Which rounds to our first question: financial tips for a pretty recent newlywed couple. As always, if you have a point of view, also leave in the comments. I'll be pulling up uh, for everyone to discuss a bit further. 
what are financial areas to be careful of? This couple asking the question is getting a house in three years and planning to have a kid in one to two years. If I'm not wrong, getting a house in three years must be a BTO flat, correct? Then the first thing I'm thinking of is in these three years, because they are, they are married already, are they going to rent the place? Because these days, if you rent a place, it's not cheap already. It's at least $2,500. And if you rent for one year, $2,500 times 12, that's 30000 If you rent for three years, you're going to burn a, a, a lot of cash. No, no point doing that. I understand the personal space is important. If you're renting for a year before a house is ready, then that's the different story. But three years, I'm quite sure that this couple is going to bunk in with the parents. Which also means that for a newlywed staying with parents, there isn't a lot of expenses. Parents are still footing the bills. Parents are still making all the necessary uh, accommodation to a newlywed. That's how I imagine. So there is still not a lot of learning in terms of managing a family's finance. Uh, and again, kid is not on board yet. So there's no real expense out. It's all personal expenses. Fair enough. Then I have this to say. Uh, at this stage, you have to save a lot. If you're serious about kid and house coming up soon, you have to save, you have to save up a lot. Because there's no household expenses you are shouldering. There's no kids. The 50, 30, 20 rule, uh, whereby 20% is your savings, forget about that. That is not urgent enough. You need to save 50% of your income. Which means if your take home base is $4,000, go ahead and save $2,000. That urgent. Why do I say so? Because if you save out $2,000, your spouse save out $2,000, that's $4,000. One year, that's $48,000. You only have three years golden saving period. I would strongly suggest a lot of urgency. Tell your other half, hey, our house is coming. Can we look at our expenses and be very, very prudent, be very, very stingy already? Because in a later few years, you're not going to have a lot of chance uh, to really uh, have too much of savings unless your income explodes upwards. Which means also forget about the expensive uh, birthday dining. Forget about, you know, uh, impressing each other with diamond rings and stuff too much. I actually think back on the journey, I, I realized the best spending is to go for backpack holidays. If you are newly wet, the only thing don't save is go for a great backpack holiday, South America, Europe, go and fulfill the dream. Because again, once you have a kid, you can't forget about that already. Nowadays, when I buy plane tickets, it's four already. So that expensive. Now it's just husband and wife. Go ahead, spend on travel, go backpacking and stuff, get a life experience. Because once you have a kid, you are kind of settled down. And again, aim for 50% savings. If you don't have that, then question each other. Hey, we need to be very, very urgent. At least... I listen to this show and uh, I understand that this is the golden saving period. Then when it comes to maybe insurance, one, one thing you can spend on is maybe whole life plans that are limited premium. I think that's that's cool. Simply because if you can complete the next five years, kid not fully on board yet, okay? house still not a big burden. If you can compress protection in five years, I think great. Then you don't have that. You have a permanent level there already. On the other hand, you don't need too much of insurance already because there is no liabilities on board. You add on a term plan in future. So maybe that's a different perspective. But again, insurance part has to come into the picture, especially once you start to you know, merge finances together, start to have families and liabilities with a home on board. Once the mortgage is on board, you need to take term insurance, like a, uh, something that covers you for 25 years. That, that's just to match mortgage costs. Uh, as always, if you have questions, leave in the comment sections. But I think the first take that I have for this is to really save very urgently. Uh, keep track of all expenses. Be ready to challenge each other to really compress expenses on the other hand, i've always seen before young couples getting saddled with endowment plans 25 year endowment plans for retirement i think that kind of spend spending on insurance maybe not the best approach whole life plans compressed as permanent protection but endowment plans 25 years 
you haven't even got to the next stage in life how to plan for retirement and 25 years commitment that's where it really uh shackles your your finances quite a bit so that's something to be aware of don't spend on endowment plans that are 25 years and then you have to keep paying premiums and you have a new house potentially kids coming on board another interesting question that can lead off from that is actually how much should one save when getting ready to purchase a home i don't know if you are watching this right now you are waiting for your home also not uh and the question is further i know this question is vague but i want to get realistic reasonable gauge getting my five room flat in two years time again uh, two years time that probably is uh hdb bto not a resale because we still complete transaction in six months i've actually shared on the main channel i've sold off my uh three room hdb flat that was my first marital home uh it's been rented out now i'm staying in the private place uh but that was my journey and my, my and using that maybe i can think of is uh what is a reasonable gauge because if you see right nowadays the hdb loan and bank loan is, is quite clear cut already it's a no-brainer to go for hdb loan 2.6 percent bank loans right now floating is four plus percent fix is 3.75 and above already which means it's a no-brainer if you can qualify for the hdb loan go for that you're definitely better off and then the question should revolve around uh, how fast you can pay down are you investing your cpf ordinary account if not you might want to pay down because 2.6 and 2.5 percent so that's something to consider also a bit further uh, but that also says when you are looking to purchase a home if the down payment is 15 percent five room flat uh bto might be 500,000. 15 percent 75,000 from two couples i usually don't see that as a problem so i like to suggest if you, both of you have been working with this question you realize that with grants coming in also and cpf you're always for both there shouldn't be any problem with the down payment the hard part comes with renovation i think that's a cash expense uh that, that will come with it then also maybe not to jump the gun too much is to really think about house because you know renovation how much you should spend you should you should also think are you going to stay in the house for a super long time you know when i ask this question to private clients who are a bit younger uh, just started the house and stuff they are not too sure uh, that's why uh, I also advocate you, if you can think two steps ahead okay you are you may be upgrading then you shouldn't spend too much on renovation you should aim to repay that loan as soon as possible because again when you sell every portion goes back to your OA you funnel towards your new home so no no shame in paying down the home loan early so that part of thinking two steps ahead will help you in your financial journey uh, but again the realistic gauge I don't think it's a problem actually for couples who are both working unless one is not working or only part-time then there is a stretch then i would like to bring up that maybe that uh uh 335 formula whereby your uh base your amount that you have saved up for the house should be at least 30 percent of the down payment which means for a thousand house you should already have 150,000, which has buffers for stamp duties and stuff but that also includes cpf and cash then that is a very comfortable amount so look to your quantum that you're committed to and then work backwards because everybody's uh house purchase price is different but in most cases for a bto hdb i think from previous episodes we've shared before the average that uh, most couples are, are paying is about four times of combined annual income only which means a five thousand flat the average couples who average income of couples who are buying it is about one hundred twenty-five thousand in combination so you get that so there's some sensing as well you can benchmark uh, with industry let's move on to renovations and another one which i picked up 
what are areas to cut back? Because this coincides with just now's uh, uh, question also. What you should prepare in terms of down payment should also include renovation. And to answer this question is what areas to cut down? Uh, you, you need to really think through whether you can afford that renovation cost. If you are going into renovation loans, then you probably are overspending. If not, then you really may not need to cut down that much. On the ground, I hear most spend about fifty to hundred thousand. That should be pretty accurate still. Uh, but as to what regrets to share, I think for myself, I spend about fifty eight thousand for the renovation here. I think the four ceiling might be one that I regret. I should have removed the four ceiling for my kids' room. Maybe that will create more space. We didn't do that. I think on hindsight, maybe that's something to reconsider. But usually, most of what I've seen in terms of regrets come from overspending in carpentry and stuff. Again, it takes research and it really. Uh, is personalized so it's hard to say what, what kind of personal regrets uh, but as always do not go into renovation loans i think once you get there which means you are not saving well or you have overspent on the renovation budget you know when you bring the uh to a contractor you realize hey my my budget is fifty thousand. if you review it to them you realize that the final bill would always be above that and then you'll be squeezing out more than what you expected so i usually don't like to tell the final budget that i have too much uh, as well as to really be very aware that in all aspects, they'll suggest things that are fancy, that matches the dream. And then we tend to overspend. Originally thought of 50,000. Then in the end, final bill was 60 something or 70,000. I think it's very common. So be very careful in how you negotiate with contractors. Let's move on to yet more uh, questions regarding houses. This one asks the question, what age do you plan to pay off your housing loan? Do you make sure your home loans are fully paid before retirement? Example 50, money sense advocates reducing paying off loan before retirement age. How many of you guys agree with that? Uh, if you do, uh, I'm also on board. You should be able to pay off. May, may not need to pay off straight away, but you should have the ability to pay off, which means you have it already in the bank account or investment assets. Then that's cool. Because when it comes to retirement planning, right, you are only able to consume monies above what you need to set aside for the house. Fair? which means your home, you should be able to fully pay. Then that portfolio that you have, you can consume it down or milk out dividends for me. Then you're ready to calculate how much you can consume for retirement. Which means also, advice, do you plan to pay off your housing loan? Most bank loans are until 65. That's when you get the highest loan to valuation. But I also, I'm also fully on board with this, aiming for 50 and uh, before that. Why do I think so? Uh, it's quite easy. Because when we look at statistics, most people pick in terms of their career earnings in early 40s, which means also after 50s, there could be health reasons, there could be retrenchment, there could be a lot of other factors that cause you to drop in terms of your income. And therefore, if you still have the home loan which you need to pay under 65, there could be things that forces you to downgrade that's against your will. Then that's not too, that's not too cool. So if we were to calculate how much, you follow that 335, uh, property ownership formula, which I mentioned before on this show, uh, you realize you can definitely afford this uh, payment even before 50. So I do suggest pay off the home loan first or have amounts ready. Then you can uh, get ready to calculate how much you can spend for retirement. Then the other thing is if you pay off a home loan, I also don't know if you have this understanding. For HDB flats, you pay off the home loan, you cannot refinance it really. But for private properties, you realize that you can actually fully pay off the home loan especially interest costs right now at 4% thereabouts. You can actually fully pay it off. And if interest rates go down, you can bring to a bank again to refinance and take out term equity, which means you fully pay off the $1 million condo. 
Then you go to the bank again, you can take out 75%, uh, assuming the, the pay can sustain, even after you fully paid off. So you understand the difference? For HDB flats, you cannot go and refinance it once you fully paid off. For private properties, you can fully pay off when interest costs are high, and then uh, you want that cash out again. You can go to the bank and use it as collateral, taking out term equity loan. I've actually a tutorial on the on the main channel. You can check out why I've actually borrowed 150000 for my own private property. So these are differences. Uh, but always the ability to pay off at 15 before is something I think is pretty important for financial freedom journey. Of course, it starts with not taking a loan that's too big. Uh. If not, uh, both couples can't pay off. And along the way, you realize that as income increases, kids come about, savings ratio drop. That's why it relates to the first question. Now is the urgent time to save up a lot of money. Once your family's running, the expenses start to start to inflate a lot. But let's go back to the question on insurance, because family finance, correct? Problematic finance questions. When both have insurance portfolios coming together, hey, what should they commit to? Or how is the philosophy? If one is more savvy, then that person can actually influence the other half on what to keep and what to increase. I want to share some perspective on life insurance, just in case both of you all work with different uh, advisors. Just ask the question, should I surrender my life insurance? Parents bought it since 2007. Some issue 100,000 and I'm paying 2,000 premium for it. I have to pay until 55. Not confident to pay a premium of 2,000 plus per year. Actually not confident to pay 2,000. Uh, that's a bit problematic because 2,000 is not a lot already. Uh, but also, since the parents bought it, I don't know if you have also legacy plans that you've bought or you're buying one for your young child. Uh, nowadays, you can compress premium to 10 years and shorter. So I do suggest it. So you pay, you pass on a policy that's fully paid. If not, you pass on a policy that still requires premium to your children, then they have this kind of questions. But my parents actually passed me something and I've actually surrendered that. I can share with you. Uh, not personal financial advice, but also that one was pay for lifetime. And I think some of the things that we need to take on, since parents pay for it, also notify them uh, that, you know, uh, I'll be surrendering or if not return that, that capital back. Because whole life plans, there's a capital portion. Some older plans like this one over here since 2007, they have a tier also. Uh, 20 years has slightly more surrender value, 25 years slightly more surrender value, be a bit more strategic and as always look for a qualified advisor. But 100,000 uh, sum assured is definitely not an enough nowadays. Cost for uh, compensating for loss of income, critical illness for example, 100,000, uh, that's unless the person is earning 25,000 a year only, that's four years of annual income. If not, this sum assured is definitely way too little. Uh, but also since pay to 55 is not the end of the world, I'm not too sure if that's a good idea to surrender that or not. Again, if you're watching this on recorded stream, uh, leave your questions and comments regarding houses, how should couples split finances, what are your personal problems in that aspect, as well as any uh, interest-related uh, questions or point of views that you would like some answers to, because all this funnels towards personal finance, correct? So, and uh, just now I shared, I'll be on the speaking panel for Sili, and I'll be actually explaining how couples should split their finances. I have this to end things with, since you start with me to the end. Uh, when you build finances together as a couple. I strongly advocate, have a dream together. Cause you know, money's, you, uh, when, you, you, when you put one in each account, are, are you all working together with a joint goal? I always like this, a dream is, a dream you dream alone is only a dream, but a dream you dream together is reality. If you can work with your other half, plan out how you want, want to buy a house in your uh, preferred neighborhood for your kid and stuff, or where you want to retire together. Then that is a dream to communicate. A lot of times, Money issues start with poor communication or misunderstanding or reluctance to change certain habits. They are multifaceted because everybody grows up with a different upbringing, correct? Along the way, we need to shape the dream together so that retirement is together, raising kids together, the funnel of money goes towards a similar pot, a joint account hopefully, 
that satisfies both needs and then uh, both are happy to stay the journey and work out something that's fruitful. As always, uh, leave your questions in the comment sections. If you are viewing this on record stream, thank you for watching to the end. And I hope I've answered some valuable questions for you. If you're joining Sydney uh, Festival, look for me and I'll see you there too. Take care as always. I'll see you next one. Goodbye.